The call is the expression of the nature from which it comes. And we can only record the call if that same nature is also in us. Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. The following message is titled, Believe Again, and was spoken by Eric Edwards. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 6 and just read verse 1. It says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. For just a moment today, I want to talk to you on the subject, believe again. I'm not sure what life has dealt you. I'm not sure how you've responded, but I do want to just encourage you to believe again one more time. Could we lift our hands and lift our hearts and open up our voice to Jesus one more time? God, we ask that you would invade this place, that you would fill this house. God, that your name would be exalted above everything and that we would come into a communion with you that as we draw nigh unto you, you would begin to draw nigh unto us. Come close, Jesus, so that we may be able to feel you once more. We ask that you would do it today in the name of Jesus. And if you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Believe again. When, when you begin to look at the Bible itself, it's incredible that God gives us a single book to explore him. Consider the vastness of God. Think of just who God is. Think of who he is and think of who he will be, the I am that I am, infinite, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, all power in his hands, the ancient of days, the beginning of the beginning, alpha and omega, the first and the last, the lily of the valley the bright and morning star. Think of who God is. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father. Think of who God is, not going, not coming, but always present. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Just think of who God is. And we have one book to explore him. 
In order for the one book to contain all of the facets of who he is, then we know that this book must also be alive. That's why it's called the living word of God. So when you read the book, it is not enough to only read it, but we must also feel it. It must make itself alive to us. Romans 10, 17 So then faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But what will we do with this word? How can we realistically apply it to our everyday reality? It has become an observation of mine as of late that It is truly easy to confuse a lot of activity with that of a purposeful life. But the reality is the motion and movement are not the same thing, regardless of how hard we try to convince ourselves otherwise. I'm here today to simply remind us to recall the things that God remembers and to pose to you the question, What have you been looking at? What have you been fixating your attention towards? Isaiah chapter 45, 22 says this, Look unto me and be saved. All of the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Look unto me. The great difficulty spiritually is to concentrate on God and it is his blessings that oftentimes make it difficult troubles nearly always drive us to look towards God but his blessings are apt to make us look elsewhere we can so easily get preoccupied and sulky towards God while all of the time he is saying look unto me All things vanish whenever we begin to look to God. Let other things come and go as they may. Let other people criticize as they will. But never allow anything to obscure the life that has become hidden in Christ. The intentional to never be rushed out of the relationship of abiding in him. Regardless of what time is on the clock. For our entire life is to be overmastered by him. We are to have no end, no aim, no purpose, except for his. Paul would write in Acts chapter 26, beginning at verse 16, but arise, stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister And a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them 
which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul was not given a message or even a doctrine to proclaim. He instead was brought into a vivid and personal, overmastering relationship with that of Jesus Christ. Paul was not devoted to a cause. He was devoted to a person. He completely belonged to Jesus. He saw nothing else, and he lived for nothing else. He would go on to write, for I have determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Yet, nevertheless, we struggle to leave room for God. And it is the erosion of complacency and comfort that begins to chill us to the workings of Jesus in our life. We can simply become cold towards the things of God. Most likely, it wasn't intentional. But somewhere along the journey of life, somewhere, you changed. At some point in yesteryear, you, you could weep over the things of God, over the people of God, over those who have never known God, but no longer. Somewhere, things begin to change. We used to devote selves to prayer to create a lifelong covenant of communion with him, but now we can't find it within ourselves to be alone with God. Our souls lose the safety of being in solitude with him because we just have gotten cold towards him. Mark chapter 4, verse 34, when they were alone, Jesus expounded all things to his disciples. When they were alone, he expounded all things to them. Only when we have solitude with Jesus can he expound anything to us. God requires for us to spell out our own souls. And the only way that we can be of use to God is to let him take us through the crooks and the crannies of our own character. But it takes courage to look inside, to look to the inner man. Because if we're being honest, we may not like what we find. Being a parent, I often ask myself this question. Would I be content if my kids only had the same relationship with God that I do. No more. It's at that moment that I can feel the weight of just how much more I need to do. Stagnation in spiritual life comes when we say that we, me, I can bear the whole thing myself, but we simply cannot. I tried to come up with a little more eloquent way to say it, but we just simply at times must believe 
again. Life looks nothing like what you thought it would. Believe again. You've been dealing with the same affliction in your body for years. Believe again. The weight of unfulfillment and uncertainty have plagued you. Believe again. Your home is no longer a haven of peace, but rather a source of strife. Believe again. Your kids have become disinterested and disconnected from the presence of God. Believe again. You have grandkids who aren't even connected to the kingdom of God. Believe again. Unfulfilled dreams have yet to come to pass. Believe again. Family members and friends have lost their way. Believe again. But how? After everything that has transpired, how? If you have been asking God what he is going to do, he will never tell you. God does not tell you what he is going to do. He reveals to you who he is. It is when he gets us absolutely alone and we cannot ask one more question that then he can begin to expound things to us. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. I and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off of the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, that has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also. Also. I heard. The voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then said, I, here am I. Send me. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord. It is almost as if Isaiah is overhearing a conversation that is happening that he is not even supposed to be a part of. God does not address the call 
to Isaiah. Isaiah overhears God saying, who will go for us? Whether or not I hear God's call depends upon the state of my ears. And what I hear depends upon my disposition. While a baby is still in the womb, hearing is the first sense that develops. And by the fifth month, the baby's ears are fully developed and they can hear sounds from both inside and outside of the womb and they can be perceived by the baby. It has also been studied that hearing is the last sense that leaves you before death. When our eyes become inadequate, it is then that hearing takes over. So when I can no longer see it with my eyes, I am then reliant on my ears. Revelations 3.22 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. It is possible that the Spirit may be speaking, but you are not hearing it. The most important feature of the call of God is the nature of the one who calls The call is the expression of the nature from which it comes. And we can only record the call if that same nature is also in us. The call of God is the expression of God's nature, not ours. The call of God is not the echo of my nature because my affinities and my personal temperament and my personal preference are not considered. As long as I think of what I am fitted for and what God should do and how he should handle it, I shall never hear the voice of God in my life. But when I am brought into relationship with God, I then find myself in that same condition that Isaiah was in. Isaiah's soul was so attuned to God by the condition of his circumstance that he was able to allow God to expound to his soul. The majority of us simply have no ear for anything but ourselves, and we cannot hear what God is saying. But when we are able to find ourselves in a place where he trusts us enough by our devotion to him that we can see him high and lifted up and his train filling the temple. When we find ourselves at that place, we just cannot Remain unchanged. We will be profoundly altered whenever we are in the proximity of the call of God. It is not a question of God singling out a man and saying, now you go. God did not lay a strong compulsion on Isaiah But Isaiah just happened to find himself in the presence of God. And when he found himself in the presence of God, 
Then he also overheard the call of God. And he realized and that his only response was to take ownership of the call and to say, here am I, send me. The destiny of my spiritual life is such identification with God that I must always hear him. What hinders me from hearing is that all too often I am taken up with other things, things. If we are not cultivating a devotion to hearing, then we will only be able to hear God's voice at certain times. And at other times, it will be the things, it will be the things that we hear. Consider this, and I'm closing. Consider this. When you walk out at night, and you gaze up at the stars, the closest star that you are seeing that light from is 25 trillion miles away. The light from that closest star, it takes four years for it to reach the earth so that we can see it. So when you go out and you gaze up at the stars, consider that the light that is hitting your eye could very well be coming from a star that no longer exists. So I pose to you the question once more. What are you looking at? The very thing that you're devoting time, energy, worry to, could very well be coming from a source that has already died. And we live our lives in this reactionary state of being, settling for the effects of a source that is no longer real. It's only perceived real. I don't know what life has handed you. And I'm not sure how you've responded. But my admonishment to you today is to believe again. Believe once more that God is willing to meet us at the place of our need. And no matter what distractions may be happening, am I finding God in the midst of all of it? Sister Keller, I've heard you say it growing up, that only the things that we do for God will last. And at the end of the day, all of the things go back into the box. But we have the unique privilege to be able to touch eternity every day. And by what we are focusing on, by what we're hearing, our proximity to the presence of God will determine the byproducts of his nature in our life.
and what happens in your life will impact the lives of those around you. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.